remember the last time you felt overwhelmed and underproductive? For some of you, it's right now. Um, and for others of you, it's probably something that you may have just emerged from. And for others of you, you're still haunted by the moments um, when you felt that way. Like those moments that were in the past where you felt that that's what was going on. And still, for others of us, we are not in that moment now. And our life feels like it has the margin we always wanted. And we have a hard time remembering those moments. <laughs> I know some of you are like... There are people like that. And I think there are. There are some people here that I think we need to engage with that and say, like, there's sometimes, sometimes we feel not overwhelmed. Um, but it's this, it's it's that felt need that that hits a nerve for us. And we are all just looking for some hope and some something strategic. So let's tackle this beast and slay this monster over the next few weeks, at least part of it. Let's try to do that. I'm Dr. Rob McKenna, and welcome to the Wild Conversation where we make the best thinking in psychology, leadership, and organizational science accessible to leaders who are willing to learn and edit for their sake and for the sake of others. And today we're kicking off a new series, y'all. So this is a new series on overwhelmed and underproductive. And this week, the topic is meetings that matter. And first off, when it comes to these meetings thing, let me be clear. I firmly believe that some level of overwhelm and feelings of being underproductive are healthy. Some, some level of that. Without feeling overwhelmed sometimes, and there's good research behind this, there's a good chance we aren't learning. <laughs> so a bit of stretch is probably an indication that some learning is possible. But too much of it, and we will burn out or fade away. And that's rarely a good thing. And for some of us, the reality may not be that our environment or circumstances are overwhelming or that we actually feel underproductive, but we perceive our world that way. And if you are one of those people, um, <laughs> I don't know, there's just some people I know that you may have in your life who like always feel overwhelmed and you're like, you should look at my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? So everybody has somebody in their life that may be like that. But for many of us, Slaying this overwhelming feeling and actually being over um, and the, the difference between that and actually being overwhelmed. Let's just, let's let's go at this. Let's try to slay this beast. I don't know why that's the that's my theme this morning. Let's slay this thing. So in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about delegation that drives priorities and rhythms, jobs that are too big. <laughs> um, and then let's get right into this meetings, meetings, meetings. Oh, my goodness. Meetings. Um, and when I say meetings, I want to call out that some of you, um, for some of you, the problem with meetings is that you have too many meetings. Um, and there may be that one-on-one -on -one meetings or with groups, um, that are, I, that maybe could be more healthy, effective, um, and maybe they may be needed or not. And I want to suggest that actually solving our meetings problems is going to take some courage, intention, some innovative thinking, and a willingness to try some things out. Um, and some of you may have incredible answers to this. You've like figured this out for yourself and I bring that. But for the sake of our time together today, I'm going to focus my attention on meetings with more than one person and more specifically work meetings. But I want to give a couple of quick thoughts on just on just meetings on our calendars in general. And first of all, meetings over coffee are amazing <laughs> um, or Zoom meetings. But at some point, especially as your leadership influence increases, Meetings with everyone who asks becomes something that's impossible. 
Um, it just is. My older brother, who is 17 years older than me, because we are from the same gene pool, has been my warning system or modeling system for what my life might feel like 17 years later, if that makes sense. So like literally, he's told me things and he's like, wait for this, it's coming. And I'm like, he was so wise. And he spent many years as the leader development person at Microsoft. And at one point he told me, there will come a time when you will not be able to read all your emails and you absolutely cannot meet with everyone who wants to meet with you. And it won't feel good when it happens. This is what he told me. But it will require you to put structures in place to help you deal with that reality. And he said, you cannot meet with everyone, nor should you. That's a, that's a hard thing for leaders to deal with. And if you don't meet with someone right now and it hurts their feelings, there's a possibility and maybe a good chance that it's likely more about them than you. But that's a hard thing. I know we don't I like, how do you figure that out? So he was suggesting, he wasn't suggesting being cold, but being, but the, being available to everyone uh, may eventually make you available to no one. So uh, we get real here. So that's my thought on those kinds of meetings, but let's talk about the other kinds of meetings. Those meetings that people call in our work labs. And I want to talk specifically about running meetings and designing meeting structures. And I want to suggest to you six ways to structure and show up in meetings that may have an exponential impact on the overwhelming nature of work and team productivity. Um, and meetings aren't the only things, but they are often a big contributor to our feelings of being underproductive and quite honestly overwhelmed. I think that's just such a common experience. It's why like the overwhelming, just the people's responses this week to me personally about what was coming in this conversation. And over the years, I've been through all kinds of meeting structures and led all kinds of meetings like many of you. So, so much of what I'm going to suggest to you has a solid research behind it, but is also based on what I've experienced as best practices that go beyond something like Robert's rules or running meetings, but include some of that structure. And I'll use our wild leaders meeting structure as the muse for our conversation and it, not that we do it perfectly, but it, man, it has really worked for us in the season and it, it borrows and works with some of the things I'm going to, these six things I'm going to describe. So this, beg, borrow and steal what works for you. And I'm sure you have your own ideas of what works. So let's get going. You ready to go? Here's the six. All right. Number one, purpose. Okay. Purpose. <laughs> Why are we meeting? Do we even, this is a question that I've heard Megan Lawrence on our team ask lots of times. Do we need this meeting? <laughs> so it's just a thing. Have you ever asked a team member that? It is not only okay to have a purposeful meetings, it is absolutely necessary. A purposeful meeting is a meeting with a clear, concise, and effective reason for gathering. And in our best world, the purpose is more than just getting something done. It will include three things that I think about. A performance purpose a people purpose and a process purpose and a performance purpose. The reason is to ensure effective delivery of our product or service. Okay. So that's the performance purpose. A process purpose is to check on the systems that you have in place to sustain your work and serve your customers or stakeholders. Well, and a people purpose is about seeing each other, dealing with the invisible things that keep us functioning together. Well, if we don't see each other, nothing else will get done well over the long haul. But and when I say see, I'm I'm fine with virtual too. It it there is an, there are some amazing things you can do there. But if your meeting has no purpose, don't meet. Um, unless the purpose is to not have a purpose, I think that can be a purpose. So let me just put that on the table. Right? Sometimes you just need those spaces together. Number two, connection. 
purpose and connection, the moment to connect. In some organizations, and we work with lots of different teams, in some organizations, we connect too long and fail to get down to business. So long stories without a leader willing to call time on the long story or no time at all to just know one another. And seeing one another doesn't mean sharing our deep, dark secrets every time, but providing five to 10 minutes to just say, hey, what happened over the weekend? And so many businesses do not provide this time within the structure of their meetings. And over and over again, I see it as a mistake. Five minutes to check in on our weekends, or what? I'm just using that as an example, to see one another um, is a good thing. But if it's more than that, could be a sign of a weak meeting leader. Because sometimes we don't know when to cut off the long stories that we just don't get to our agenda. And then we're all frustrated at the end of that. Okay, so number two is connection. Number three, this one is huge for, for us. And it's um, it's the word rhythm. It's the word rhythm. I want to suggest to you that finding an intentional team meeting rhythm that is on purpose is one of the most important things you can do especially if it is partnered with the other things I'm suggesting today. I'm going to talk more about individual rhythms because we've had, there's been a lot of work around that in, in just a couple of weeks. But today I want to talk to you about meeting rhythms. And it's not a habit, but a rhythm. A habit is a ritual you can't help but repeat. A rhythm is a regular cadence you choose. Um, a rhythm is a regular drumbeat that makes sense within the context of what is happening in the rest of the band. All right. So I want to use the example of that a drummer in a band, I was in a band, the band's name was, you want to know the name of the band? I don't know why I think this is clever, but it's not, it's just juvenile dog logic. Just let that rest for a second. So I was in a band, right? And so been in a couple of different bands, a drummer in a band provides the rhythmic foundation for everything else. And for those of you who are musicians, I know you're there and you're like, oh, Rob, sometimes the rhythm person is the bassist. I know that. Um, and there are actually other instruments that could do that. But someone is that rhythmic foundation. And whichever one it is, is, is this is the person responsible for the cadence that makes sense within the context of the rest of the music. And in the same way, a meeting rhythm, a cadence you choose, always will make sense if it fits naturally in the context of your team's work. And I want to give you just, here's an example. Some of you are like, give me an example of this so I can understand how I might apply this idea. And here are some of the considerations we made for our wild leaders meetings. And I'll tell you, this is, this is the context. Each week we serve most of our client and partner organizations through the middle of our week. And for our leadership team, we have some critical interdependencies, connections that are between our commercial pipeline, for example, of organizations we serve and our actual delivery to organizations who are contracted with us. So Monday morning makes sense for us. We meet as a leadership team every Monday morning for about two hours. And we follow that with one-on-ones between key leaders on our team that's that same day. And we meet together on Fridays before the wild conversation. And this rhythm has become critical for us because for our team, that cadence is what works within the context of our business and missional structure. But it's also this, it creates a time to create social ease, laughter, and knowing between us that is critical for us. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little deeper. This is my, I, if there's one thing to take away is this concept of rhythms, 
our other rhythms, so I'm going to give you some more examples, just so you know some of the things that are part of this that are important to that meeting rhythm structure, is our other rhythms include simple things like our, we do an annual executive fellows program. Some of you fellows, raise your hand. Like some of our fellows are here today. And our two, that's an annual process, our two-day intensive where we train facilitators launching our system within their organization. So we do that five times a year. Our monthly executive roundtables that we do, some of you have been a part of that. And maybe most importantly, our monthly conversation. So we meet every Monday, but our monthly, once a month as a team where we gather together to discuss our individual tools and development using the wild toolkit. We do not miss these times together because without those rhythms and conversations, first off, we'd be hypocrites if we didn't use our own process. It'd be kind of ridiculous. And we know that those conversations are impacting our effectiveness together and every level from our agility to our hiring, to our delegation, to our basic functioning as a leadership team. So our rhythms of Monday and Friday and the monthly development conversation, our annual fellows program, our wild experience intensives five times a year, and those are the work and performance rhythms that are well supported by our Monday to Friday meetings. Is that making sense? It's like, that's really important for us. The, the one last critical rhythm for us is our quarterly strategy and scorecard meeting that occurs once a quarter during that Monday time. So you can, you can see kind of, I hope it gives you a visual picture, if you can handle all those words, around why that's, that rhythm of Mondays is so critical for us. And it means that I don't schedule other meetings during, you know, during those days very often with others. This is the equivalent of that drummer in our band that is based on our context. And at an individual level, this rhythm for our team also impacts me because of that scheduling even that occurs in my own life of those other meetings that one-on-one -on -one with maybe some of you. Um, so I ask you this, what is the rhythm of meetings that would work for you? And I hope me providing that context might help. And I know some of you are even in transitional moments where you used to have a rhythm and now you got to figure out that new rhythm. And they may be more one-on-ones right now because maybe you used to have a big team and you don't, or you, now you have a big team and you didn't used to. And so that's, that'll be an interesting part of the conversation, but a rhythm is not enough because you could follow the right rhythm and do meetings horribly, <laughs> right? So what else matters? So here we go. A couple of thoughts. So I'm going to, these are a little bit quicker structure and prioritization. Let's talk structure of meetings. One quick pause for structures of meetings. I just want to I'll give you a couple of things that we do. Have someone who holds the clipboard. When I say that, I mean someone who holds the structure. This was Claire until a couple of days ago when she went on maternity leave. As far as I know, she hasn't had her baby yet. So those of you that know Claire, don't worry. I, we're just, we don't know yet. We'll find out soon. But um, unless Megan's like, she had the baby this morning. Anyway, so, so Claire holds that clipboard. And when Claire first joined the team, she had to learn what it meant to hold the wild clipboard. And this means that Claire kept the time for us, designs our agenda, and also manages the moments that need to be need where we need margin. And you might ask, where does the agenda come from? And it comes from previous meetings with unfinished or future business, from our weekly, monthly, annual, and annual rhythms, and from Asana. So we happen to use Asana, some of you use that, which is the place where only members of our leadership team are able to put things on the Monday agenda. And so, and some of you have been to our one day meetings because we have other partners and, and folks who contract with us and folks who have been executives and leaders and residents with us. And so some of you have seen that. So if that's where the agenda comes from, how do you deal with those? And this is the basic structure we use. We use a system that's like this, a system of 
two minute or two minute or less conversations, three to three to five minute conversations and five minutes or longer conversations. So Claire's job is to take those things that are put on the agenda and sort them into those categories of what she thinks. And we might move that around, but that has worked so well for us as a team. Um, So that's a little bit on that prioritization. Now, let me just say one thing about number five, margin. We all need blank space in between meetings and within meetings. So I think one thing that's important is what I describe as having some space for intentional marginal error. So it's not that even though that's our structure and it sounds overly structured, we always are aware that some things may take a little bit more time, but we don't give it, it, it's margin. It's not like margin is is just however big it wants to be. So someone's got to manage that margin, but sometimes you need more margin. But at the same time, sometimes you need to lean into that structure because I hate being late to the next meeting. And I always feel bad when I, you know, I didn't, wouldn't realize where the clock was. So sometimes I'm going to sit down with coffee. If I'm with you, I might actually set a timer. It's not because I want you to take it personally because I've got a timer because I don't want the next person to be hurt by my lack of structure. And then lastly is this, is differentiation. I, always, I just want to say this out loud because this is the human part of this. Structuring, participating in this is number six, differentiation and leading effective meetings takes a high degree of clarity, courage, and emotional fortitude and composure. And this is one of the things that we we talk about. It takes a leader who is willing to come in with strong, clear expectations about what meetings will look like, how long things get to go. And so that's one of the things that we worked on because Claire joined our team and that takes a lot of guts to step into a new team, take the clipboard and tell Rob to shut up because we got to move on. She doesn't say it that way. But it's the equivalent of stop talking. We got to move on um, in a much more grace-filled way. But it takes a tremendous amount of courage to do that and do it well. So here's my here are the questions. It's just, do you know the purpose of every meeting on your calendar this week? Is there five to 10 minutes for connection that you stick to for each meeting? What is the rhythm that would work for you and your team that is the intentional cadence that works in your context? What is the structure you will choose? Are you building an intentional margin for effective error? And why do you need to improve to be a more convicted and connected leader of your meetings? And what does the person who holds the clipboard need to think about? I know that's a lot. I'm like, wow. Thank you for listening to this wild conversation. To join our live wild conversation on Fridays, visit our website at wildleaders.org backslash wild conversation and subscribe to this podcast for regular whole and intentional leader development conversations. Have a great day.